Yeah. Uh, two-tone, the podcast, it's the livest. Every week we talking about them Tennessee Titans. Better tune in, this the podcast you want. Hosted by my big homie, Ryan Moreland. Mariota throwing bombs, he don't ever miss. Malcolm Butler hold it down with the pick six. Talking stats and plays, what's happening? Derrick Henry, Adoree Jackson, this where we get it cracking. Yeah, Tennessee Titans podcast. Two-Tone, hey, tune in. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. I, of course, am your host, Ryan Moreland. A lot of stuff to cover this week. A pretty exciting week coming off of the win. Uh, But let's start off with a little bit of I told you so, guys. Everybody last week getting real down on this team. You know, the season's over. We need to cut Marcus. We need to plan for next year, plan for the future. We come out, we get a win against a division rival, and a statement win at that. Titans win 20-17 to over the Texans. I know Marcus didn't play in this game, and we'll talk more about that later. But a lot of big plays set this up. This is something that we've missed a lot, especially in the Wizenhunt and uh, Malarkey eras, as well as the Munchak era, to be honest. It's big plays, and they really change the momentum and shape of a game. You think about Adoree's interception. Um, that trick play for a touchdown where Kevin Byard had a you know, perfect passer rating, <laughs> the only uh, the only thrower in the NFL right now with a career passer career uh, perfect passer rating. Uh, he throws it to Crookshanks. He takes it for a touchdown. Corey Davis just murdering Jackson on that stiff arm was a big play. Helped us get the first down. Keep the keep the drive alive. Big plays like that not only change the momentum of a game, but change the course of a game. Without that interception, you know, who knows? They get points on that, even just a field goal. That means that we go into overtime rather than win this game. You know, it was a three-point victory. Um, without the trick play for a touchdown, we're likely a touchdown behind. You know, it's it's uh, those are big plays that helped us win this game, especially with all of the pieces that we are missing. Um, these plays made a huge difference. So I'm going to do something a little bit different this week. Going into talking about the game, a lot of times I talk about things that I like, things that I don't like. Um, So I I started this new thing, which is A-list, shit-list, and let's talk about it. A-list is the guys and and groups, units, whatever, that I'm really high on, that had good games that we should be talking about this week. Shit-list is guys that didn't, guys or groups of guys that did not do well in this game. Uh, and need to improve as the season goes on. And let's talk about it. It is a unit that a lot of people are coming down on, but maybe don't deserve the blame that they're getting. Uh, then obviously we'll go to the round the AFC South, talk about what happened in the South, uh, and then we'll talk about Marcus Mariota to wrap up the show. I just want to let everybody know I'm switching now to a two uh, two shows a week model. So I'm going to be bringing you this show on Mondays. Um, that recaps the game, we talk about the latest news, and then another show will happen later in the week so we can talk about uh, the game coming up more in depth. We can talk about, like this week, the Jaguars going to Jacksonville to play them. Uh, Who's going to be playing is a big question in that game, and really a question I can't answer right now because we have yet to get that information from the Tennessee Titans. So I'm going to bring you a show likely on Friday... That will cover all of that. Who we're going to be seeing in this game. Uh, what What's this team look like? What do we need to do against the Jaguars in order to win? Because uh, obviously that's a huge game with a lot of playoff 
impact happening later in the season and a game that is going up against a team right now that's 2-0 and looking really good. But we'll get to more of that later. Let's hit in to the A-list, guys. This is guys in groups that really just went above and beyond. Newcomers. Let's start off with them. Uh, Correa, who's new to our team. Landry and Crookshank, who are rookies. Uh, Butler, who's new to our team this year. Uh, Kevin Pamphiel, who's new to this team. Tyler Mars is not a newcomer, but this was his first career start. All of these guys really stepped up in this game. Um, Correa, five tackles, one sack, two quarterback hits. Landry had two quarterback hits uh, and plenty of, provided plenty of pressure in this game. Butler had the big penalty and did let up a touchdown in this game. That's true. But for the most part, he did a really good job against one of the best Wide receiver is a league he matched up against a lot. You know, on the other side, you have Fuller. This, this is a team that has weapons, and uh, he did a really good job, I thought, in, in, um, in this game. All of these newcomers, it just shows you how good of a job, one, that we did in the offseason, two, that we did in the draft, because Correa Butler coming in in the offseason, uh, Kevin Pamphiel coming in the offseason, Crookshake and Landry uh, coming to us through the draft. Tyler Mars is a guy that we've just kind of kept around for a while and finally got his first start. And and how good the, a lot of these guys were coming in and feel, filling holes, like these two guys on the offensive line, uh, Landry and Correa coming in and helping out in the pass rush, which has kind of been stagnant, you know, and we'll talk about that. But really impressed by how um, these newcomers really stepped up this week, helped us get a win. The coaching staff obviously deserves a lot of praise in this game. Play calling was absolutely excellent. We go back to that trick play on fourth down on that punt. That play was huge. That changed the, I mean, that set the tide for the rest of the game. Early on in the game, 0-0 game, it looks like we're just going to punt the ball and Texans are going to have a chance to make the first statement of the game. Instead, we go 66 yards for a touchdown, uh, pick up the lead, and really make a statement that, you know, this is not going to be a pushover game. This is not going to be a walkover game, which a lot of people in the media and um, and in Houston thought it was going to be. And we proved that that wasn't the case right off the bat with that play. You look at how the play calling really affected the offensive line. They did a good job of keeping guys back for extra protection. A good job of getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. Uh, and, and later on, we'll talk about how they attack that defense and how it was so genius the way that they attacked that defense. And they took a little bit of my advice, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be saying this. I think Vrabel listens to the show, or at least Dean Pease does, <laughs> because they took a little bit of my advice. Obviously, they didn't listen to the show. They just are really smart guys that know how to execute a football game and to make a successful um, a, a team that it can be successful, even more successful, which is something that is so underrated in this league. You know, you look at what we went through with... With Munchak, I don't think he made the team better or worse. He, he, I don't think he did either. He, this team was just as good as the talent was on the team, and that was really it, and he didn't affect it. I think Wisnunt uh, obviously made this team worse. Malarkey and coming in in his first year made the team better. Obviously, this team played better, and then in his second year, they played worse than what they should have. Even with a playoff win, that team should have been further than they were, but I do think in his first year, he made it slightly better. This team this year is going to be better than the talent shows, and and a big, like, like, you know, the biggest piece of evidence to support that claim is we did this without Delaney Walker, without Marcus Mariota, 
without our book in left and right tackle, and we came away with a win against a division rival that, you know, this time last year beat the fucking shit out of us. I mean, they did. They, Watson had a monster game the last time that he played against the Titans. This week, he looked really pedestrian. That was a huge, huge difference, and then play calling had a lot to do with it. Um, <clears throat> and then let's talk about the win without, is what I've been calling this. No Marcus. This is only the second win that we've had while Marcus didn't start since he came to the team. The other one was January 1st, 2017 against the Texans, who already had their playoff spot and really just pulled starters, and Matt Castle got a, a meaningless win against a bunch of scrubs and second-tier players. So this is the first one where we haven't had Marcus in a meaningful game against starters that we have won. That's huge. It is huge. And, and say what you want about Blaine Gabbert, who I'm going to go into in a little... Actually, let's just talk about it now. Talk, say what you want about Blaine Gabbert, but he managed this game. That's what you want out of a backup quarterback. There's no Aaron Rodgers sitting on the bench. There are no Marcus Mariota sitting on the bench. There's none. In the NFL, there's zero. There's no guy that's going to come in and take over a game that's not a starter right now. That's just not how it works. Um, you know, look how many starters in the NFL right now can't, doesn't, don't have the ability to take over a game. If those guys are starting, then there's no guys on the bench that have that ability. And you just you want solid game managers, guys that can come in and help the stars on your team give a team a chance to win. And that's exactly what Blaine Gabbert did. You look at his completion percentage last week was 50%. This week, 65. That's a, a big improvement. Um, you know, last week he went no touchdowns, one interception. This week, one touchdown, no interceptions. He limited mistakes, which is exactly what you ask of a good backup quarterback. He limited mistakes. He did a good job of it. His QBR went from 15.4 to 51.7. I know QBR is definitely an overrated stat, but it just goes to show you how much better his performance was last week compared to this week. Um, obviously, I think a big thing that has to do with it is this week we played three hours instead of four and a half days <laughs> of a game. But, uh, you know, he, he really improved this week. He was a much better player. Obviously great to see. Limited mistakes. He gave Tennessee a chance to win this game, and they did. So say what you want about Blaine Gabbert, but so far I would say that he has worked out for us as a backup. I think the biggest difference in this game, uh, other than the time in which we played, was the pass rush was much better. Jarrell Casey was a fucking monster in this game. Two sacks, uh, roughly about one million quarterback hurries. He had so many where he almost had the sack. And look, Deshaun Watson... He's a slippery guy. He's a guy that's hard to bring down. He's very athletic, knows how to move in the pocket and get away from pressure. You're not going to get every hurry as a sack on this guy. You're just not. But when you can go after him the way that we did in this game, you know, four total sacks as a team, 10 quarterback hits, that's huge. That is absolutely huge. It was a very good game. And I tweeted about this during the game for those of you who follow me on Twitter. And if you aren't following me, you definitely should. I live tweet every game. Uh, I always try to put the latest news and stuff on there, and it's at TTU Podcast. Uh, but during the game, or right after the game, excuse me, I posted a uh, a tweet talking about it. It's going to get lost, and it did. The last play of the game, most people are going to remember Deshaun Watson spending 17 seconds dancing around, crossing the line of scrimmage, coming back, and then throwing a pass. 
Two things stand out from that play to me. The coverage downfield was obviously excellent that he couldn't get rid of the ball. Uh, secondly, we were sent a two-man rush. A two-man rush. And Jarrell Casey got a quarterback hit and almost came up with a sack. On a two-man rush. I know everybody you know, everybody that listens to this is not real football savvy. We have some, you know, ranging fans from those that probably could be coaches to those that are, you know, um, that, you know, are not the biggest fans. They, they enjoy football, but they don't understand the game. For those of you that fall into that category, that don't completely understand the game, they drop back something like six pass protectors on that down. So that means that you have three guys per rusher. If we send two, they drop back six in protection. You have two, three guys that can block per rusher that we sent. And Jarrell Casey still got a quarterback hit and almost came up with a sack. That's insane. That is, that is absolutely insane. That's otherworldly and unreal. And that's why we pay this guy as much as we do. And that's why this guy has been to the Pro Bowls he has, although we all know he's been snubbed for quite a few. But that's why Jarrell Casey's regularly talked about as one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league because he has this kind of capability. Unbelievable. Unbelievable play. Uh, but as a team... As I said, four sacks, ten quarterback hits, a huge performance for this defense, especially last week where we had one sack and two quarterback hits the entire game. We got a lot of pressure. As I said earlier with Landry, you know, he didn't come up with huge numbers, but if you look at how many times he was in the backfield, how many times he made the quarterback uncomfortable compared to how many plays he was actually in the game, it's unreal. Kid had an outstanding performance. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I was uh, not super high on in the draft, but I thought it was a great value for where we got him. I know a lot of people, um, Tyler Musson, who's regularly on the show, did not like Landry at all. He came out and showed it this week. You know, he showed Titans fans as a whole that, you know, he deserves the respect. He deserved to be drafted where he was, and let's be honest, already better than Kevin Dodd. Um... Then the last one I want to talk about on this A-list is special teams. I know all of you out there that regularly listen to the show are like, all right, fucking Ryan, we get it. We have a good kicker and a good punter. We get it. And then, and that is true. I, I do harp on this a lot, and it is like the least sexy thing to talk about in all of football is special teams. But Brett Kern, had, he had a 62-yard punt in this game, was an absolute monster throughout this game. Uh, every time that he was called on the punt, which was, I believe, four times or five times, um, a suck-up remains perfect. Th those are huge things. You Think about this. They missed a field goal. The Texans missed a field goal in this game. If they had hit that field goal, it's 20-20 to at the end of the game, and we're headed to overtime. So, it, you know, the missed kicks, like, really add up. That and there was no kick returns for either team in this game, uh, but they had a few punt returns for an average of something like six yards. We did a good job of teeing off. Uh, against their their uh, punt returns. Um, you know, we only had the one punt return, so you really didn't see it this week. But we've seen a mass improvement on the punt and kick returns this year. Obviously, we had one for a touchdown last week. That's huge. It's a huge difference. Those of you who have been long-suffering fans, it's been a long time since we've had a good return game. Like, a, a truly good return game. And that can be so pivotal, pivotal in a game. And we're really seeing it. So let's head to the shit list. And it is short. We got a good win. A lot of guys stepped up. Truly a team win uh, this week. So it's hard to pick on some guys. But there's one group and one player I wanted to single out. 
Our interior linebacking play was not good in this game. Rashawn Evans only played one snap, and that was on special teams, so you really can't put that on him. And I'm also wondering with Evans, like, when are we going to see him really integrate with the offense? I still don't think he's 100%, obviously, judging by his playing time this week. So uh, I'm still dying to see him in real action. Uh, but let's be honest, we're feeling the loss of Avery Williamson, who we lost this offseason to the Jets, who is one of the best run stoppers in the league. We allowed 4.95 yards per carry in this game against Alfred Blue and uh, Lamar Miller, their starting running backs in Houston. Woodyard did lead the team in tackles. You know, that is true, and he did help the team as he always does. But he didn't get any help from anybody else uh, that played in this game. Jayon Brown had set, played 72% of the defensive snaps. Will Compton played 36. They combined for four tackles. And throughout this game, you go back and watch the tape, look completely lost on the run, filling wrong gaps, hesitating too much, and allowing the running back to meet them, you know, three, four yards at, past the line of scrimmage, which is a, a, you can't allow to happen. Um... And just for a point of reference, Correa, who I know doesn't play on the interior of our, of our linebacking core, but Correa played less time than both of them. Correa played 24 snaps, which is less than Will Compton's 36% of the snaps and less than Jayon Brown's 72% of the snaps. And he had four tackles in this game, also added a sack and two quarterback hits. So he came up with four tackles, where Compton and Brown had a combined four tackles, even though they both played more time than him. And I know... Interior and exterior, different positions. But interior uh, linebackers, you look for a volume amount of, of tackles. And we did not get it in this game where we saw two running backs really going off against our defense. For most of the game, we really struggled to stop the run. You know, Not something we're used to in recent memory with the Tennessee Titans because Woodyard and Williamson lining up together was an outstanding matchup. So I'm hoping we get Rashawn Evans in more uh, because, you know, obviously, you know, Will Compton and Jayon Brown are not the answer against the run. I don't think Will Compton's the answer against much. Jayon Brown, obviously good in protection, uh, but struggles to do anything in the running game. And the next one on my shit list is Rashard Matthews. Matthews had four targets for two catches and eight yards in this game. And I know he's coming off the knee injury, and I'm still going to give him time. I'm not saying let's cut Matthews now. Uh, but there's no burst. There's no open field deception. There's no. There's nothing there that makes Matthews a great player in the past. And and I'm beginning to become a little bit nervous. Like, is this knee injury going to change the course of his career? Did Matthews already hit his peak because of this knee injury? Um, I'm not saying that is the case. I'm saying I'm worried about it right now. And as Titans fans, I think we should be because we don't have a lot of talent at playmaking positions. On this offense right now, outside of running back, with Delaney Walker gone, you know John U. Smith is still young. We still have to wait to see exactly what we're going to get from him. Luke Stalker's been, you know, pretty solid. He's a guy that I've been impressed with, but still, he's not a guy that's going to be known for catching a lot of passes. Um, and and our you look at the wide receivers on this team. You have Tajay Sharp, who's flaky. Uh, Taewon Taylor, who's great but can't catch 50-50 balls. Corey Davis is the only one of these guys right now that I'm sold. Like, you know, on every play, he has a potential to make a play. I used to feel that way with Rashard Matthews. I don't right now. Something needs to happen. Um, so not something I'm saying, let's cut him, or we need to move on, or, or anything like that. But it is something that I am worried about, and I'm going to keep an eye on in the future.
So now to the next section, let's talk about it. So this is, as I said earlier, something that looked really bad, but probably wasn't as bad as you think it was. And I'll explain why. And the one that comes to mind is the running game. Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry combined for 3.3 yards per carry in this game. We saw Derrick Henry get the majority of the workload this week, which he did not last week. Uh, however, they're playing behind a patchwork offensive line with Gabbard as their starting quarterback. They're not getting the passing game that opens up the running game, that allows the, you know, the, where a defense doesn't get to just set with eight men in the box. That's what Houston did a lot in this game. They set with seven, eight men in the box for a large part of this game because they don't have to worry about getting burnt downfield against Blaine Gabbard. You just don't have to. So that obviously is going to affect your ability to run, especially when you don't have, you know, your two all-pro caliber tackles in this game. Uh, plus, let's be honest, the Texans' defensive line is really good. You know, when you think about that front seven with guys like J.J. Watt, I know Janavion Clowney didn't play in this game, although he did have his impact. Uh, didn't play in this game. You know, Whitney Merciless comes to mind. That's a talented front. You know, that's a talented front, and we need to be able to get our tackles back in this game to really have a lot of success in the running game. Uh, it showed this week, but and get Marcus Mariota back, which you know then the deep ball does come back into play, or Marcus making play with his legs. You can't just tee off on the run because there's so much else going on. This week, the Texans were able to tee off on the run because there's not much else going on in our offense. <coughs> Excuse me. Um... Then you look at the passing game with our running backs, and a lot of people have brought this up. Both backs combined for one target. Houston has solid linebackers. They do. Like, they have guys like Cushing, you know, Merciless, guys that have the ability to protect against um, passing the running backs, against the, you know, the passing game two backs. So, but the one big weakness, as I said last week, was at corner. I said on last week's show, we need to attack their corners. It's the team... The one big weakness on this defense is their cornerback play. Um, also think about Tyron Matthew coming down and covering uh, backs, which he's known to do as well. Uh, but we need to attack their corners. That was the game plan. When we passed the ball, we passed to our wideouts in favorable matchups this week. That's what I was saying earlier. I, you know, I think that I think that you know maybe the coaches be, are listening to to me, listening to my game plan. Uh, but perhaps they're just really good at their job. That might just be it. <laughs> but I like to think they listened to the show and they took my advice. But anyway, that's what happened. 81% of our targets this week went to Davis, Taylor, Matthews, and Sharp, the four wideouts that we had in this game. 81% of our targets. You know, you look at, um, that doesn't include tight ends. And Stalker had a few catches in this game, had two catches in this game. Um, Deion Lewis had a catch in this game. 81% of our targets went to our wideouts. We did this on purpose. We went after these corners on this team and made them try to make plays against us. And when they tried to, Corey Davis stole a soul. Like, that's what happened. He stole a man's soul with that stiff arm. We did a great job. That was really smart, teeing off against their weaknesses. So that's why you didn't see the running backs come into play as much because the favorable matchup was on the outside. Um, so don't panic about the running game. We're not when we get Marcus back, when we get these tackles back, we're not gonna have teams that can just tee off and they're not gonna get as good penetration as they did in this game when those tackles are back. So not something to worry about just yet. Um, we'll bounce back fine. These are two talented guys. 
and we'll get back just fine. So let's look around the AFC South, what happened this week. The Jacksonville Jaguars upset the New England Patriots 31-20. to Crossing routes. That's all Bortles needed in this game was crossing routes. If you watch this game that happened in the, in the afternoon games, they got so many yards just by throwing the crossing round underneath and letting playmakers make plays. So many yards. The touchdown at the end of the game that really sealed it, that, you know, was really like, all right, the game's over here, came on a crossing route where a player made a big play and took it to the house. This New England defense is really bad. As much as Jacksonville fans, you know, want to shout from the rooftops, you know, we're number one, this is the team to beat. And let's be honest, this is a very good football team. The, the Patriots always struggle if they do struggle. They struggle early in the season. This defense is bad. You watch this game. Watch what Rowe did. And if you're not familiar with who that is, that's the corner that started over Malcolm Butler. That's the corner that now is replacing Malcolm Butler. He's terrible. He is awful. I guarantee you each and every week, watch Rowe as long as he's on the field, which if for Patriots fans' sake, you hope is not very often. But watch him when he's on the field. Watch what his matchups do. That guy's going to get burnt like toast every single game as long as he is out there. He is just not built to play the position. He's looking terrible. Uh, the, the linebackers on this unit did not play well. Obviously, on the other side, you just have to give props. Props where props just do. As much as I hate the Jaguars, and we all do, that defense is ruthless. That defense is really good. You know, the the one plus is that defense is only going to be around for another year before they have to break it all apart because they can't afford to play all the players uh, that they brought in. But right now, that defense is red hot. It is very good. They did a really good job stifling this offense. However, this is an offense without Edelman. This is a, a game plan where you can come in and double and triple team Gronk all game, which they did. Gronk only had two catches in this ball game. You know, Hogan was probably... The best offensive playmaker on this team, Chris Hogan, who is not that good of a player. So an offense that, you know, once they get Edelman back is definitely going to hit their stride. But they lost a lot in losing Edelman and losing players like Deion Lewis uh, on defense. It's just bad. The Patriots are going to have a bad defense this year unless something drastically changes. Um, So, you know... Props where props are due, this defense really stepped up, didn't face much in uh, the forms of pass defense this week, and Bortles had a big game. This week, when we play them, we'll talk about them, don't expect Bortles to have this kind of game. We have a much better defense than the Patriots do. We have a much better secondary than the Patriots do. Shit, the best part of New England's secondary plays in Tennessee with Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler. We have the best parts of their secondary. If Devin McCourty came, it'd be over. That, <laughs> that's it. That's the only players that they have. Um, obviously, you know, we're not in need of him right now. We have a guy back there that not only is a, an all-pro caliber defensive back, but is also a hell of a quarterback, as we saw this week. But, uh, you know, we have a much better secondary, a much better defense. We're going to get a lot more pressure on Bortles next week. Um so don't expect that. Obviously, as I've been saying, the Jags host us next week in Jacksonville. The Colts handle the Redskins 21-9. to Redskins did not look good in this game. The Colts' defense is better than people think it is. It is getting better. They have made improvements. It is moving up. It's not great, but it is better than what we've known. 
And, and that is, uh, you know, it's a big jump to be making for a team uh, like the Colts. It, it's, it's a nice jump. They played well in this game. However, Andrew Luck is the, is the real thing we're worried about here. Because without Andrew Luck, this is, you know, a 3-4 win team. With Andrew Luck, you know, last time we saw Andrew Luck healthy, they played in, like, truly healthy for a season. We saw them play in an AFC championship game. This is a team that can be for real with Andrew Luck. As much as everybody hates him, and I hate him too, you have to be realistic. Andrew Luck is a good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback when he's healthy at 100%. He's completed over 70% of his passes so far this season, which is a very high number. Um, when you consider the NFL record, I believe, held by uh, Sam Bradford right now, I believe is 70, what, 2, 74, something like that percent. So over 70 percent is incredible. However, he's also thrown for four touchdowns and three interceptions. It has not been a great start uh, for Andrew Luck. And he's played two teams that I will say are up-and-comers. You know, Cincinnati and my or Cincinnati, sorry, and um, the Redskins are two teams that I thought would trend up this year. Redskins haven't. Redskins look terrible. Um, but you can make the argument that like, since he looks good, two wins against mediocre teams, <clears throat> but you have to win those mediocre, you have to win against those mediocre teams if you're, if you're going to be a playoff team, uh, since he doesn't look like they have much competition in their division, that might be a playoff team this year, but Andrew Luck has really done well completing the ball on shorter passes, look, I mean, you look at his yards per throw, they're shorter than what we're used to seeing from Andrew Luck, and he's thrown almost as many interceptions as he has touchdowns so far. Also, something not really indicative of what we are used to with Andrew Luck, so I do not think he's 100%. I, really, right now, the way I feel about Andrew Luck is we still have to respect his game when we play against Indianapolis, but we're not going to have that much trouble beating this football team. We shouldn't have that much trouble beating this football team. We already talked about how the Texans did this week. Next week, they go on to host the Giants in Houston. All three of the games in the AFC South this coming week will be in the noon time frame, um, obviously in Central Time. So the last thing I want to talk about here before we hop off, folks, is... Marcus Mariota. Everybody's been talking. We need a new quarterback. We need to cut Marcus. We need to move on. It's not time to give up on Marcus Mariota yet. This injury sucks. It does. It does suck. He's having trouble with the nerves. What um, really comes into play here, from what I've seen from a medical professional uh, online on Twitter, is saying that it really affects the nerves and your ring and pinky finger. So it's hard. He can't grip the ball. He doesn't know how hard he's gripping the ball or how soft. So it's really impossible to put the touch on those passes. If you want proof of this, go grab that football that's sitting in your house right now. Go outside with your your son, your brother, your dad, whoever. Grab the football and don't let your ring or pinky finger touch the football and try try to throw a touch pass. You're not going to be able to do it. It's really hard to do. You're going to throw a lot of lame ducks. It's hard to throw that touch pass in there um, when you don't have those two fingers on the football. So it's something that we really don't know. You know, is it going to last a long time? Is it not? From medical professionals that I've seen talk about it, it's a real question mark when it'll come back, uh, when the feeling in his fingers will come back, when he'll be ready, um, you know, to play effectively. We Right now, it's not a pain thing. It's not a re-injury thing. He can play right now. You know, he was active this week. We all know that. 
he can play right now. It's just can he play without making mistakes right now? We saw right after that injury, he threw a really bad pass for an interception. That's because of this injury. So I know it sucks. I know there's so many question marks about this injury, which only makes it suck that much worse. But it's not. There's no risk of re-injury with this. It, it was a nerve pinched in his elbow. It's not a high. Ri- there's no re- chance of re-injury unless you get hit right there again. You know, there's no risk. It doesn't become easier to injure to pinch a nerve the more times you pinch a nerve. That's not how it works. So everybody points to his injury history. He has no injury history in this elbow, and. It's not something that has a high risk of re-injury. It's a freak injury, and those happen in the NFL. Um, talking about now, now that we've talked about his um, the injury, and let's be real, like Marcus gives us a better chance to win than probably any rookie next year is going to. Definitely more than Gabbert right now. When he plays, and when he plays well, and he's not hurt, he gives us a good chance to win. You're talking about a freak game, and when the Miami Dolphins played dirty, the NFL came out and said that that was a dirty hit on Marcus. The NFL has come out and said that that crackback block should have been a penalty. Like they were playing dirty in that game, um, and and then injuries happened. Two big injuries for us happened, and losing Marcus on the one. Um, so you know, whenever you're down in Miami, be sure to like piss in the streets. And fucking tear that town apart, because uh, they really deserve it. <laughs> um, and if my buddy Chris Fetter's out there listening, um, that's directed at you, buddy. <laughs> um, no, obviously, I'm just kidding. But So, moving past the injury uh, to his gameplay. This is his first year in a new system. It's, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get 100% comfortable with it. Although, if you look at the first half of that game against the Dolphins. He was finding plays. He was making plays. He was finding guys open. Marcus looked solid up until the injury. He did have the one pick before the injury. But besides that interception, he looked really good in a new system. And remember, he had everybody points out last year, and yeah, he did have a down year last year, in which everybody in our offense had a down year. Delaney's Walker year sucked. Uh, DeMarco Murray years sucked. Everybody in our offense had a bad year. Like... Outside of Taylor Lewan, that is indicative of a bad scheme, not a bad player. And I, you know that exotic smash mouth worked the first year, but then teams figured it out, and that's what happened last year. So it's it's not that much on Marcus. Plus, you look at the number of passes, interceptable passes that he threw that were intercepted. I've talked about it on the show before. It's ridiculously high. It, you know, it, so it's it's not. Last year was bad, but we have a guy right now that is a proven quarterback whisperer. We've only you've only given Marcus about what, what was it a half, a little more than a half, and so far in this system. Calm down, let him get some time in this system, let him get healthy, and I think you're going to be shocked by what happens. Don't forget he had two good years before that one bad year. We've seen Marcus win games for us. We've seen Marcus have comeback wins. He's something like 25th all-time in fourth-quarter comebacks. That's insane. That's insane to think about, you know, entering his fourth year now. The guy knows how to take over games late. He knows how to win. He's amazing in the hurry-up. He's amazing in the red zone. These are facts. These are things that we've seen that we know. Marcus isn't done yet. Like, calm down. Let him get healthy. Let him get in this system. And I promise you, 
All of these Titans fans right now that are calling for Marcus to be fired and the next guy to come in are going to change their tune. This, this is a guy that has really, really high-level talent. He has really, really high-level potential. It's not time to give up on Marcus Mariota. It's just not. But that's all we have for this show this week. And remember, folks, last week I told you to calm down. The season isn't over. When all of you were ready to jump off of a bridge and we come out and we get a win this week. This week I'm telling you don't give up on Marcus. I'm just saying. If history repeats itself, you know, maybe you should listen to this show more often. But that's all I have for this week. Um, Obviously later this week on Friday I'm going to put out a show uh, where we talk about the Jags in depth. I might be having a, a Jags fan or, you know, Jags writer on the show with me to talk about this Jacksonville team, what to expect, um, where their weaknesses are, and, and how the Titans can exploit them. Uh, also, be sure to check out our Facebook page, uh, our Twitter. Um, check us out. Um, we will not be broadcasting on Podbean, on the Podbean app anymore. So if you know anybody that's listening on the Podbean app, is not sure why they're getting shows, it's no longer on the Podbean app. There's still a million other ways to get it. Podcast Addict is one. Google Play Music. Um, iTunes is still an option. All of those places, and pretty much anywhere on Google and on the iTunes, uh, you can find our show. You can also find us on Spreaker and TuneIn and, of course, on Pippa, who is our newest um, broadcasting partner. So excited about that. Shout out to the folks at Pippa. So we'll be back on Friday to talk about this Jacksonville matchup. As always, tighten up and let's go fuck those Jags up. Yeah. Uh, two-tone, the podcast, it's the liveest. Every week we talking about them Tennessee Titans. Better tune in, it's the podcast you want. Hosted by my big homie, Ryan Morland. Mariota throwing bombs he don't ever miss. Malcolm Butler hold it down with the pick six. Talking stats and plays, what's happening? Derrick Henry, Dory Jackson, this where we get it cracking. Yeah, Tennessee Titans podcast. Two-tone, ayy, tune in.